Amen. Look at what it says right there. And the first, we're just going to look at the first verse, Proverbs 22, verse 1. Notice it says, A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor rather than silver and gold. And that's something that we all ought to keep in mind. It's a short verse that we ought to have memorized. And it's something we ought to think about every day in our life. We need to think about having a good name. What do people say about you? What is your reputation? You know, we need to think about those things. If I went and I talked to your co-workers, if I talked to your neighbors, what would they say about you? What would your testimony be? And what, do, what does your name mean in the community? And we all know those people that have those bad names. You know, there's names that none of us want. You know, how come nobody names their kids Adolf anymore? You know, because uh, you know, somebody ruined that name. You know, my wife and I, whenever we've been having, we're having kids and we're talking about names, it's constantly, you know, a name will get suggested and be like, no, I hate that name. Why do you hate that name? I knew somebody with that name. And, you know, and they kind of ruined that name, right? You, you, th- you think of a name and you think of certain things. And we all, we all are like that. We all know people like that. And there's names that we all hate, not because it's just a disgusting name. It's just we knew a disgusting person with that name and it ruined it. And that, is some, that ought to be a goal for us that we have a good name. Now, this... What I want to do right here, I want to just kind of share a few verses with you. And everything I'm going to say right here is just, it's, you would hear it preached in pretty much any church. Pastor Trendy would preach this. I mean, anybody would be willing to preach what I'm about to preach right here and agree. But then there's a few things they leave out and there's stuff, stuff that gets added to it. But um, first off, Ecclesiastes 7.1. Notice what it says, a good name is be- better than precious ointment and the day of death than the day of one's birth. What's that talking about there? Well, what are they going to say about you at the end of your life? That's something we need to think about. Okay, I don't want to have a good name just right now. I, I'm, that good name is something I want to carry with me through my entire life. And when I die, I want my name to still be a good name. And that's another thing we need to think about. What are they going to be saying about you at your funeral? I heard a story one time about three guys that were at a funeral and they were all talking about you know their funeral. We often think about our funeral. And they had one man, you know, said, what do you want him to say about you at your funeral? And he's like, I want him to say he was a good man. Another, the other guy said, I want him to say about me that man loved the Lord and he was, he was faithful all the way to death. And then the third guy came along and he's like, you know what I want him to say about me at my funeral? Look, he's moving. And, and I've, I've used that before, you know, because, yeah, you know, who wants to be dead? But at the same time, we do. We think about those things. We, we talk about that stuff. And, and that's important. And the day of death is better than the day of one's birth. Okay, when you're born, you haven't done anything yet. You've accomplished nothing. And anybody, you know, what, what work did we do to get born? All right, pretty much nothing. Okay, we just, we came into existence. And thankfully, our moms didn't abort us. And we were, we came into this world. But what are they going to say about you at the end of your life? You need to think about that. We ought to have a good testimony with the world and not just amongst Christians. First, our third John chapter one, verse 12 says, Demetrius has the good report of all men and of the truth itself. Yea, and we also bear record and ye know that our record is true. So Demetrius guy's got a good record. He's got it with everybody, with all men, not just the church. He's got it with everybody. First Timothy three, seven, talking about the requirements for a bishop. It says, moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without lest he fall into the reproach and snare of the devil. You know what? You ought to have the kind of name where it's not just good here in church, where we all respect you, or where we all like you, where we all think you're great. 
But it ought to be a very similar report that we would get from those outside of this church. Okay, You shouldn't be one way in here and another way out there. And we see in the requirements for a bishop, he's supposed to have a good report of them that are without. Also, when it comes to our name, we shouldn't even do anything that could appear to be evil. 1 Thessalonians 5.22, abstain from all appearance of evil. Why do we want to do that? We don't want to send the wrong message. We don't want to put ourselves in a situation where it looks like we could be doing something wrong. We don't want to hurt our name. Okay? We don't want rumors going around town because you know we were doing something. You know, Even when we got souling, that's one of the reasons we like to go out two by two. Okay? What if we get invited someplace? Okay? If I'm by myself and some lady invites me to the house, I'm not going to go in there. Why? Because that could appear to be evil. That could send a wrong message. People might, you know, and, and I don't want to hurt my reputation. I don't want to hurt this church's reputation. And so we need to watch out for those things. Why? Because a good name is better to be chosen than great riches. And so always keep that in mind. And everything I've covered right here is completely true. We need to, you know, we need to take all these things into consideration. But at the same time, what do we do when it comes to the things that we're supposed to do that can actually, in many cases, destroy our name? Because, for example, preaching the truth will hurt your name today. Okay? And we see a good name is better to be chosen than great riches. Standing for the truth can get your name drugged through the mud. Not just by the world, but many times even by religion. So what are we supposed to do? The Bible says a good name is better to be chosen than great riches. Well, if I'm doing what the Bible tells me to do, my name's going to get drugged through the mud. You know, I've got this reputation I've been trying to work on all my life, trying to have a good report, trying to do everything the right way so things won't even appear to be wrong. But yet, if I do what the Bible says, if I do what the Holy Spirit's leading me to do, my name's mud. So what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to handle this? And I've had that happen before. I have had people that have questioned what I've done and they've told me I'm hurting my name because of the stands and things that I'm taking. And then they'll often quote, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. So, you know, what am I supposed to do when that happens? You know, if preaching against the homos hurts my name, should I stop doing it? Or should I just at least lighten up and try to be really diplomatic like some people do? You know, or should I just do it privately behind closed doors to a bunch of people who already agree with me. And that's what a lot of people are going to. We see some people, they're just backing off. They avoid it. Some people are just extremely diplomatic to a fault. Some people, you know, most a lot of people, they do it. They want, they'll do it private as long as there's no visitors in the church and there's no way that what they say can leave these four walls. And I don't think that's the way that we need to go. Said it's getting out of control. I was talking about this afternoon. I was listening on the radio, this Christian radio station, and they were on there talking about homos. And the one guy was on there saying, "Yes, it is a sin. It's an abomination." He quoted a verse in the Bible. And I'm like, "Wow, I'm, I'm surprised to hear this." But then the next guy jumps on it, and he's like, "You know, he's like, but remember, it's also a sin to commit adultery. You know, so the sin to commit fornication. You know, and it's like, you know, so, you know, yeah, homos are bad, but you know, so is heterosexual people too. You know, and it's like, you know, just." Stick to the one subject, you know, stop being a wimp, stop being a pansy. Well, last night, 
I'm driving home and I'm listening to that same station and this lady's on there promoting her ministry where it's like one of these hotlines that they can call where uh, people who struggle with LGBT stuff can call and get help. And I kind of caught the tail end of it. You know, we don't like we don't do like shock therapy to try to change them and stuff like that. But, you know, we're just trying to be there. We're trying to help them. We're trying to pray with them. And, you know, and I was getting the impression they're trying to steer them away from that lifestyle. And I'm like, well, that's that's not going to work. You know, it's pretty wimpy way to do it. But, you know, at least they're trying to change their mind on it. But then while she's talking to this lady, she said, I had a transgender transgender man call me the other day who was struggling. You know, he was wanting to get the surgery. and But his wife said if he got turned into a woman, she was leaving him. Isn't that unreasonable right there? I mean, <laughs> and, and I'm just like, oh my goodness. <laughs> and she was just like, you know, and I prayed with them and just tried to help them and encourage them. And then, and this is a victory story, okay? Four days later, he calls, like four o'clock in the morning, and just thanking me for, you know, being there and giving him a listen, you know, listening ear. It helped him so much. And even though he decided he was going to go forward with the surgery, he was just so thankful that I was, you know, willing to talk. I'm just like, that's your victory story? The, guy, the, the guy's going to go mutilate himself. I mean, it was just, it's horrible. And I'm thinking, this is Christian radio? This is not a bad guy. I'm sorry, folks. Being silent on this stuff, being diplomatic is not helping the situation. And good night. I mean, I, I could not believe what I was hearing. I mean, it was just, it absolutely blew my mind. And I don't think we need, I don't think that's the way we need to go. But at the same time, preach your truth, your name gets ruined. Bible says good names rather be chosen than great riches, but also says preach your truth. Where, how do we balance all this out? How do we know what to do? And this is a real dilemma for many Baptist preachers today. They're desperate to be loved by everyone, or at least just not be hated by anyone. And so it's always, they're always trying to figure out how, how we can do this, how we can handle this. And this dilemma. I believe it's causing many Baptists to follow some very dangerous trends that are causing unacceptable compromise. And it's gotten churches away from what they're supposed to be all about, and that's preaching the truth and winning souls. And, I'm to, it, and they're getting away from it big time. Baptist churches today are adopting a model that it's caused them to basically put on a disguise pretending they're something that they're not. You say, that's a bold statement. You know, how, how do they do this? Well, let me tell you how they do this. I mean, I had a big revelation one time when I was at work. I uh, worked at the Walmart Distribution Center. And this isn't criticizing Walmart. Right? I hope I don't get fired. No, this, 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 isn't, this isn't criticizing, okay? You know, Walmart's a corporation, okay? They're trying to make money. But, and one thing that they do a lot of, and I'm not against this, but they, they are very big in community involvement. They like to get their managers and their associates doing things in the community, you know, helping, whatever, and they, they donate money to all these organizations and stuff, just trying to help in the community. You hear the word community all the time in their general meetings and things. They're always talking about the community and trying to reach out in the community. Whenever there's community events going on, they want to be a part of it and help. They do a lot of the charitable con contributions. They do the family fun fairs and things, and, uh, and like the trunk or treat. Trunk or treat, they do that out at the distribution center. It's just like a lot of churches do. You know, churches want to find some way to celebrate Halloween, 
So, but they can't do trick or treats. So they do the trunk or treat. And I'm not kidding. I listened to Walmart when they're talking about these community events they're going to do, and it's the same stuff I see preachers doing in their churches. The exact same thing. You know, helping out at 5K runs and passing out water bottles and get, getting their name on T-shirts. And churches are doing all those things. Now, listen, none of those things are wrong. But you know what? That, that's not outreach. That is advertisement. Okay? That's why Walmart does it. And you know what? God bless them on it. Corporations and businesses advertise. That's what they do. Okay? That's part of who they are. That's what they do. And you know what? If a church wants to advertise, that's fine. If a church wants to go around hanging up door hangers and things like that, promoting their church, you're not committing a sin by advertising and promoting yourself. But you know what? You're also not soul winning. You're also not giving out the gospel. You're, that you're not fulfilling the Great Commission because you go and you stick a track on somebody's door. Okay? You're advertising. When we go out stoning, we leave tracks and we leave flyers on doors where nobody answers. What did we accomplish right there? We advertised our church. Nothing wrong with that. Okay? We've got a phone book ad uh, that, that we do. You know, we, we do those things. But why does, why do corporations, why does Walmart do that? Why does Walmart donate money to organizations? Why does Walmart, you know, they're a corporation, they're trying to sell things, Right? Why are they doing all these community involvement things? Because it really, here's the reason for it, and this is where I could get fired, but no, I, I don't think it's a bad thing really, but it's to distract from who they really are. They are a money-making corporation, okay? Now, I, I'm, you know, to the millennials, you know, people, people like that, that's terrible, you know, they're, but... No, you know, corporations serve some purposes, all right? And you know what? You don't like Walmart, then just don't shop there. I shop there all the time. And if you want to shop there, go right ahead. It'll help me keep my job, too, <laughs> that I have. But it's, it's advertisement, but it's to distract from who they really are. And they are a loud, large, powerful, money-making corporation. And they get demonized by a lot of people. And so they like to do things that send a message that, hey, we're not just out to get your money. We're here for you, too. You know, we're here to save money so you can live better. Okay? That's just part of the corporate game, all right? That, but here's the thing. The churches that are doing this, too, they're not, it's not outreach, it's advertising. And they're doing it to hide who they really are. You know, because who are they really? They're trying to distract from the fact that they are a private, separate organization that believes the whole community is going to go to hell if they don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what they believe. That's what they really think. Okay, I know these churches. I know their doctrinal statements. They that are doing all these good things, that are passing out stuff and giving out water bottles and you know wearing pink T-shirts to look friendly and things like that. They believe that if that community does not put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, they're going to go to hell. Most of them believe that the Catholic Church is the great whore. Most of them believe that Protestant churches are harlot churches. I, that, that's what they believe. They believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven and all those who follow other gods are on their way to hell. That's what they really believe. That's what they really think. They think rock and roll and country music are bad. They think homosexuality is an abomination. They think that shacking up and adultery and fornication is wicked. That's what they think. They don't think we ought to drink, smoke, cuss, or chew, or hang with those that do. They don't think we ought to be watching dirty movies. All the things that the world loves... That group that's out there doing all that friendly, smiley stuff is against all that stuff. 
But what are they doing? They're out there, not being a John the Baptist and preaching the gospel and telling people to repent. They're not doing that. What are they doing? They're just trying to, you know, attract them into their building. That's pretty much all there is to it. And then even when they do succeed in giving these places, a lot of times they water down the message, aren't even preaching the right gospel. And the truth is, you know, they are trying to reach out to a group of people they have nothing in common with. And they're trying to hide that. And so they do. They hide behind all that junk. You know, at least at our church, it's pretty obvious who we are. Okay? You can go on our website and it's pretty obvious where we stand on things and our doctrinal statement. They can, they can listen to the sermons. Anybody can go on and hear what kind of stuff that I preach. When we go out, we preach people the gospel. We tell them how to get to heaven. Many of these people that we talk to, they say they go to church. We don't just accept that as, well, you're on your way to heaven. What do we do? We ask them how they know, for sure, how they know they're going to go to heaven. And usually it's something works-based. And you know what we tell them? That won't get you to heaven. You know what we just told them? Everything you've been taught is wrong. And then we tell them the truth. Some people don't like it. But that's what we're suppo- that is what we are supposed to do. And the truth is, when you start making a difference, when you start shaking things up, your name is toast. Alright? It's finished. That's all there is to it. And most Baptists are in agreement with the things that we preach here. But you know what? They fear man more than they fear God. Look at this in John uh, chapter 12, verse 42. It says, Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on Him, but because of the Pharisees they did not confess Him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. Y'all see that right there? They believed, but you know what? They feared man. They want, or they wanted the praise of man more than the praise of God. You know how many preachers there are that agree with this type of preaching? They would agree with our doctrine, but they're afraid to say anything because they don't want to make the archdiocese and their popes mad at them. They don't, they, don't want, they don't want their name to get run through the mud. And so what do they do? You know, if, if they are in agreement with us, they hide it. They're quiet about it. You know, and they just hide behind the fact, well, good names better be chosen than great riches. You know, guys like Tommy McMurtry, his name's destroyed and all that stuff. And I, I you know, I, I want that good name like the Bible talks about. And so they do. They hide behind that junk. And so uh, look at Luke chapter 2, verse 52. Because, you know, they'll, they'll bring up Jesus. Well, look at Jesus. All right. You know, Jesus had a good reputation. Well, Luke chapter 2, verse 52 this is when Jesus was young, after the story when he was 12 years old. It says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Look at Jesus. Boy, when he was growing up, everybody loved him. He grew in favor with God and man. But let's look at a change that took place after Jesus started his ministry, okay? When he was young, when he wasn't making an impact, his name was great, right? Everybody liked him. But when he starts shaking things up, let's, let's, I'm just going to hit a few verses. This is just a few things. Matthew 11:18. For John came neither eating or drinking, and they say he had the devil. Talking about John the Baptist, who Jesus said was the greatest man born among women. Verse 19, the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a man gluttonous and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners, but wisdom is justified of her children. So right here he's called a glutton, he's called a wine-bibber. A friend of publicans and sinners. They're holding it against him who he's been hanging around with. Falsely accusing him of things. Or not even falsely accusing him. It was true he's a friend of publicans and sinners, but it didn't mean he agreed with their lifestyle. 
It didn't mean he was, there was anything wrong with him. Matthew 9, 3 says, And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemeth. They're calling Jesus Christ a blasphemer. John 8, 41. Ye do the deeds of your father. They say to him, We be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. They're calling him illegitimate right here. Implying that he was born illegitimately. Verse 48, Then answered the Jews and said unto him, Say we not well that thou art a Samaritan and hast a devil. There they call him a Samaritan and demon possessed. That's what they said about Jesus. The Jewish leaders said that about Jesus. Why? What changed? He was perfect when he was 12. He was perfect when he was in his 30s. But you know what? When he, after he turned 30, after he got baptized, you know what he started doing? He started shaking things up. He started his ministry. He started making a difference. And you know what? His name got run through the mud. But what did God think? Because eventually the community, they all united and they crucified him. Now what did that prove? That proved is he was a bad guy? Absolutely not. Because Philippians 2.5 says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of the glory of God the Father. So right here we see while the world said a lot of bad stuff about his name, they accused him of a whole bunch of things, we see that God gave him a name that is above every name. So we see that Jesus has a good name. Jesus has a good name, even though the world's saying something completely different. In fact, he's got a name above all names. You know what that tells me? It tells me that when God's word and the world's word contradict, God's word trumps the world's word. And while we ought to try to have a good name with the world, it's more important that we have a good name with God. And if we have a good name with God, then who cares what the world has to say? And so we see with Jesus, he had a bad name with the world. Jesus didn't look good in the community. Jesus, you know, it was because he was shaking things up. And Pastor Trendy would have not, he wouldn't want to have nothing to do with Jesus. He's bringing reproach on, well, I can't say the name of Christ because he is Christ, but he's just bringing reproach on what we are and who we stand for. But the truth is, it's because Pastor Trendy has nothing to do with what Jesus Christ is really all about. And we see that type of, you know, just that type of attitude today that people don't want to have anything to do with those who actually are following the Bible literally and doing what it's supposed to do. But I proudly serve a God that the Jews called a glutton, a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners, a man with a devil, a blasphemer, one born of fornication and a Samaritan. That's who I serve. That's what the Jews say. The Jews today in their Talmud teaches that Jesus is in hell boiling in hot excrement. And I proudly serve that one. While the Jews have run his name through the mud, while the Jews blaspheme his name to this day, that's the God that I serve, and he's got a name above every name. And you know what? One of these days, their knee's going to bow before Jesus Christ. They are going to confess that he is Lord. They are going to realize that he was their Messiah, and they missed out that they rejected him. And by then, it's going to be too late. So, look at, uh, so Matt, Matt, turn over to Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. So here's the thing that we've got to understand. 
it's okay if you have a bad name with the world and even amongst the brethren as long as what's being said about you is false. Matthew chapter 5, verse 10, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you, and men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. So here we see we've got a blessing if we're if we have bad things saying about us, if our name's getting run through the mud, as long as what's being said is false. That's the key. Now, I know some Christians, like, they take this verse, and it's like they want their name to get run through the mud. You know, they want, they, they want to have a bad reputation. It's like they want everybody to hate them. But the problem with a lot of these people is the things being said about them are true. They are a jerk. They are an idiot. They are dishonest. They are unethical. They do, you know, all these things that people are saying about them are true. If everybody's calling you all these terrible things and it's true, no rewards for you. Okay? If you're being called a thief because you steal, no rewards for you. Okay? So just just keep that in mind. Because it would be real easy. If your goal is just to make everybody hate you, that's not hard. Okay? Just go throw rocks through three rocks through some windows and things like that, and you know, people will hate you. But that's for good reason, alright? It needs to be falsely. And it's like some people do. It's like they do. They want the bad press. You know, they, and they, that's not the way we do. We don't go out looking for this. Okay? But listen, if you're doing the right thing and you're shaking things up, you're going to get plenty of negative publicity. And that, and you can rejoice as long as what's being said about you is false. And so, you know, and I've been blamed before for hurting my name because of my stand for the truth. And, and made people mad that end up lying about me. And I, I'm not. I had this conversation one time several months ago. I had this conversation, and it was brought up to me, you know, because of my position on some things. They're like, you know, they said, "Listen, literally, what they said. You're hurting your name. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches." And it was in direct reference to something that somebody was saying about me online. Some videos that were out there, and it was like. The reason these people are making these videos about me is because of my position on things. But the, here's the problem. What the person was saying was a complete lie. And they're like, yeah, you're, you know, you're hurting your name. Good name is rather be chosen great riches. I, I, my, I was just like, but what they're saying isn't true. They're lying, you know. They're lying on purpose. They know this isn't true. So, and then this is literally the response I got. Says, but they wouldn't be lying about you if you weren't preaching what you preach. And I'm, I, I, I'm just like, are you serious? I said, but even if I'm wrong in what I preach, does that give them an excuse to lie about me? Okay, now I that is completely acceptable in the old IFB world. There are preachers that go around just blasting other preachers, just making stories up lying about them, but it's like, because that person's not like, that's okay. You know? And it's like that in the Republican and Democrat world. And that's why it goes on in churches, because these people are a bunch of Fox News Baptists. I'm going to preach a message one of these days all about Fox News Baptists, because they, they make me sick. Alright? And we got a lot of them just defining Fox News Baptists and just pointing out the, the foolishness of that. But in, in, the, in the political world, if you're a Republican, you can say whatever you want about a Democrat and the Republicans. Yeah, that's right, that's right. And it doesn't have to be right. But because they're against that guy, they're thrilled to hear anybody say anything they can negative about him. 
They don't even care whether it's true or not. Hey, as long as the guy's bashing Obama, I'm for him. But shouldn't you expect him to be truthful about what he's saying? And it's the same thing with the Democrats. As long as they're bashing Trump, you know, they, they want to hear it because they just hate that person so much. And we've got a bunch of dimwits in the Baptist world that will literally let some of these guys like Gip and stuff, I mean, just tweet terrible things, just slanderous things. And because they don't like the person he's talking about, they will cheer him on. And I've heard him get up and preach, and guys will just make up stories about other preachers. No facts, no proof. And you'll hear preachers in there just, that's right, that's right. Really? You're affirming what he's saying? How do you know that that's true? He just made that up right there. There's no proof. How do you know that? They don't know it. They just know that they don't like the guy. And therefore, anything they say, just no, I mean, no love for the truth. Okay? And you can be against somebody's doctrinal, you should be able to be against somebody's doctrinal position without lying about them. And what's great about our side, or the, you know, the side that we're against, they give us plenty of ammo. We don't have to lie about the other side. We don't. It would be pointless for me to do that. I'm just going to discredit myself. But thankfully, you know, when it comes to the rucktards and things, I don't have to lie about them. But boy, they sure do with us. You know, why is that? And then when you have people that will tell me that they're saying these things about you because you're positional, well, then they at least need to tell the truth. You know, so I'm now supposed to back off. I'm not supposed to tell the truth because if I tell the truth and if I stir things up, people might lie about me and I'm hurting. And you're going to use a good name as rather be chosen than great riches in that situation. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But I've heard it. And, I, and unfortunately, I've heard it more than once. And it really, it blows my mind. And so, you know, you only have a problem when the things being said about you are true. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 12. Turn over there real quick. I want to show you a verse. And I know what the next objection is, alright? Listen, I know I have be like I know the back of my hand. I, I really do. I, I know how they think. I know what they're thinking before they think it. And uh, I said, I've, I've been there. I, I was one at one time. And, I, and so, but look what it says in uh, 1 Peter 4, 12. Says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you, but rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the Spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, as a thief, or as an evildoer, as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man serve as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. So we see here, he mentions, hey, don't you suffer as an evildoer. Don't you suffer as a busybody in other men's matters. Okay, If we are doing wrong and we suffer, there's no rewards. No rewards for suffering for wrongdoing. But there's great rewards when we suffer when we didn't do anything wrong. When we do the right thing. So that's why we need to make sure we keep our nose clean. That's why we need to make sure we're doing the right thing and we focus on what God wants. And you know what else? You know, the way these people misuse this good name thing too, it's like, it's a sign that you're right with God if you're receiving the praise of men. And the Bible teaches opposite on that too. The Bible says, woe to you when all men speak well of you. But people will take a good name as rather be chosen than great riches 
and use it against you because there's people in the world that hate you. And there's people in the world that don't like you. And people in the world that are lying about you. Even though the Bible, when the Bible says, whoa, that's a curse. The Bible pronounces a curse on the one that everyone speaks well of. Think about that for a minute. Just, it just proves they're taking these things out of context and just using it the way they want to use it. So here's the thing. So this is what any IFB person's thinking. Okay? Because, you know, I, I, I've had these conversations more times than I can count. So you do. I'm worried about your good name. You know, you're going you're gonna to ruin, you're gonna ruin your good name. But the thing is, what's being said are lies. Okay? But here, here's the thing. If you have certain doctrinal positions like I do, what that crowd will say is, yeah, but here's, when it comes to you, what we're saying is true. Therefore, no blessings. You are bad. You know, the IFB popes have declared you as bad. You know, you know you're, you're wrong on your doctrine. So understand, there are people out there that will look at somebody like me and what I preach, and they will say he has ruined his name. It's true what I'm saying about him. He's post-trib, you know. He's not, you know, he doesn't kiss the toes of the Jews, you know. He's definitely bad because of that. Therefore, no blessings for him. He is bad. That's true, okay. That, that's what they're going to think in their minds. So something like this, they're just going to completely ignore it. You're applying things to you that don't apply to you. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. And I knew you were going to bring it up because I know you, all, you know you like the back of my hand. Look what it says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 14. It says, But, and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience. That whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. For it is better if the will of God be so that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. Okay, now listen. When it comes to certain people, when it comes to certain things, there's, we're just not going to change our mind. Okay? So... They're going to say bad things. If they took a lie detector test, say, do you think Tommy McMurtry is evil? And, you know, all these things. They would say yes, and they would pass. Okay? They, they, really, they really believe it. They have no doubt. But notice what it says here when it's talking about giving an answer. I'm supposed to be able to give an answer with a good conscience. You all see that? And the mentality of preachers today is, i got to figure out how to please everybody. I got to figure out how to make everybody happy. And it is embarrassing to me the way people will try to use the Bible to back up their positions, the, the way they twist things. And it's like, you can't feel good about that. And I'll tell you, I, I'll, for years, I always felt dishonest in how I interpreted Matthew chapter 24. I always felt dishonest about it. I was like, I know this is what I'm supposed to preach. It's, you know, it's got to be pre-trib. I, I got I to gotta make this fit. And I just, I never felt honest about it. But I preached it. And everybody liked me back then. You know? I had a good name. Okay? But you know what? Now, 
I can get up and I can preach Matthew 24 with a completely clear conscience. Now, I get spoken of as an evildoer by them, but you know what? I have a good conscience. Okay? I'm the one that doesn't mind putting my sermons online. I don't need to protect my stuff. I don't, I don't mind getting my you know, voice out there and letting everybody hear what I have to say because you know what? While I know I'm not perfect, while I know I make mistakes, what I pre- I, and I, do, I know I, I mess some stuff up, I get some things wrong, I might you know, get a thing here and there wrong every once in a while, but I can tell you this without a shadow of a doubt, what I preach, I preach with a clear conscience. That I, I, I'm able to boldly you know, go to God in prayer and say, Lord, I believe that I am preaching your word the way it is written in the Bible. And if Jesus Christ were to show up and sit in this service, I wouldn't be embarrassed by what I preach. And the truth is, it's better than that. His Holy Spirit's inside of me. And I am able to preach what I preach with a completely clear conscience. And you know what? I don't care what other people say. I really don't care. No one has the ability to change right from wrong or wrong to right. They can't do that. And just because somebody says something is bad doesn't mean it is bad. Okay? The world looks at us as the evildoers. They cast out our name as evildoers. But does that make us the evildoers? I mean, who are we hurting? Okay? We're, not, we're not hurting anybody. They say that. It doesn't change reality. I, and, but that's the country we live in. A boy says he's a girl, reality's now changed. He's a girl. That, that's the mentality of people today. But no, listen, reality's reality. The Word of God is the Word of God. And any preacher ought to be able to get up and he ought to be able to preach with a good conscience. And a clear conscience. And if you, and if you do that, sometimes it's going to mean you're going to get called some things. Some names are going to get thrown your way. But, you know, many people, they're just often, they're willingly ignorant of the issues. They don't want to dig too deep. They don't want to hear me out. They don't want to listen to what I have to say. They see these things in the Bible. I, I know I'm not the only one that's ever read 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 in the pre-trib world and been like, wait, why does it say that day shall not come except the come a falling away first and the man of sin be revealed? How come? I'm not, I know I'm not the only one that's seen that. Okay, maybe they're all reading in a Schofield Bible and just looking at his notes and that's, you know, changing their mind right away. Maybe they're using an NIV study Bible that completely changes it around to fit the pre-trib doctrine. Maybe that's what they're doing. But you know what? Many people they are, they're just willingly ignorant. Not going to look too deep. And I'm telling you, I, back in the day, I was as old IFB as you could possibly get. When I started studying end time stuff, I was so freaked out by what I was seeing. I started, I, I had a file with notes on it that I put in the Forbidden Archives. Okay, now most of you probably don't know what the Forbidden Archives are, but even people at Lighthouse, my old church, they knew what the Forbidden Archives were. Everybody always wished they could get my Forbidden Archives. What are the Forbidden Archives? These, those were files I had saved in a very hard place to find on the hard drive of my computer where I like saved specials and things people sang that were just terrible. <laughs> I shouldn't be confessing this in public. But, you know, uh, just, you know, I, I, had, I had some sermons that were preached that were just terrible. I mean, just, you know, uh, I, I had a testimony on there that is legendary that everyone remembers, but no one else has ever got to relive it like I have. I, I've got it on, on recording, and it's great stuff. 
And you can. You can ask a lot of my family and friends from there. They all know about the Forbidden Archives. Well, when I started studying that, I mean, I was already over here when I started studying it. But I was like, man, I wouldn't want anybody to find this file on my computer with these verses I have on it. And it was pretty, pretty much most of what I had was like scriptures on it. I had a few notes. And I kept that hidden in the Forbidden Archives because I thought, man, if people saw what I was studying, I would get in trouble. That was my mentality. That was my attitude. <laughs> and you, you go back and you listen to my sermons. From the first three years here, I had one sermon on the rapture. One. And I didn't specify a lot of stuff because I was, you know, already kind of in doubt on some things. And so, but, I, and I did. I had that on the Forbidden, I had on the Forbidden Archives. I still got that file there. I went back and I was looking at it the other day. All those notes and things I had of all these things. And I, I saw in those notes somewhere areas where I was kind of going wrong. And, you know, was getting mixed up. I remember I hit a couple dead ends in my studies. And I was looking at those notes and I was like, yeah, right there is where I got held up for a long time. It's one of the reasons it took me three years, you know. I had like a three-month dead end right there, you know, because I was mixed up in this one thing. And, but you know what? It's nice now. I don't put anything in the Forbidden Archives, all right? I, I still have some of those specials and things on there. No, you can't listen to them. But, the, but at the same time... Uh, you know, with a good conscience, I can preach this stuff. I, I don't have to hold back. And but many people, they are they're, they're just they're ignorant. They don't want to know. But you know what? I wanted to know, even if I had to do it in secret and have secret notes hidden on my computer that nobody could find. <laughs> you know, and, and, but um, but it's just, it's that's how it is. And you know, the thing, other thing too, you can't hide from labels. This is one thing I wish I could get across to a lot of preachers. You cannot hide from labels. Preachers all the time, well, I, I, I don't want to get labeled as this. I don't want to get labeled as an Andersonite. I don't want to get labeled as, you know, whatever. You know what? I hid from labels for three years, and I still got every label in the world that I tried to avoid. I played by all the rules. I did all the things I was supposed to do to avoid the labels, and I still got them. And you know what? I fully get a lot of the things I do what it will get me labeled as, okay? If you go out in the world, you preach what we preach about homosexuals and things, you're going to get labeled a hater and a bigot and a homophobe and all these things, and you know what? Okay, all right. Label me whatever. Say whatever you want to say. It doesn't matter. I'm going to do what I believe I'm supposed to do, and I'm going to do it with a good conscience. And I'm going to enjoy doing what I do. I enjoy preaching what I preach very much. I don't get nervous about it. I don't get up here and I don't break in a cold sweat. All right, I... I I don't, I don't worry about it one bit. I don't worry about what people are going to say. I associate with whoever I think I can, you know, the Lord. The Lord's the only one I care if he's concerned about who I associate with. That's it. And I'll associate with those people and I will enjoy it. And I wish there's so many preachers today that are literally being held captive by the thoughts of other preachers. They're letting other preachers Hold them captive. And even a lot of Christian people too. They'll, they will be held captive by the thoughts that they think their co-workers are going to think about them. They're being held captive by the thoughts that they think, well, my, if I do this, my family's going to think this. Really? You're, gonna, you know, you're the man of the house and you're going to let your mother-in-law control you with not even her mind with what you think her mind is going to think. I refuse to give anybody that kind of power over me. Okay? 
I've already, I've already had people with that kind of power over me in the past, and I broke free. The last thing I'm going to do is let somebody else, you know, get a hold of me with their mind, you know, do a Vader grip on me or something like that. And that's how it is with a lot of preachers. They, do, they are terrified that Dr. Pompous is going to find out that they slightly disagree with one of his doctrines and they, they just buckle, they cave. What a horrible existence that is. And then, too, the fact that people, you know, the, the, the way they bring up Proverbs 22.1, a good name is rather than chosen great riches. My goal, I want Liberty Baptist Church, I want, I want myself, I want to have a good name in this community. I want us to have a good reputation. I want everybody to like us. I do. But I'm not going to compromise on anything. I'm going to preach the truth. And as a result of that, it might backfire. We might get something completely different. And you know what? If it happens, so be it. Because in the end, I'm ultimately worried, what does God think about my name? What does God think? And truth is, we are... And if, if you as a Christian, if you live like you're supposed to, you're going to have persecution. You're going to have people say things about you. You're, you're going to get lied about. Your name's going to get run through the mud. You're not going to be respected. You're not going to receive a lot of the honors and things that other people get. But you know what? Who cares? As long as God knows what's going on, as long as you, are, you know I'm doing what I'm doing in a good conscience. I'm not selling my soul to these people. I'm not selling my soul to a church. I'm doing what I believe the Lord wants me to do, doing with a good conscience. That is liberating. And as a result of that, I believe you'll do greater things for God. You'll be happy. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches, but it's more important that we have a good name with God. Having a good name with God often means having a bad name with the world, especially if you're making a difference. But we've got to remember, we're only rewarded for the bad name is if the things being said are not true. And don't worry about running from labels. You know, don't worry about that. Just do what you know you're supposed to do and ignore the critics. Just, just completely ignore it. And that's, you know, my life motto is if you're going to do something, you might as well find a way to make it fun. And so, you know, Brother Tommy, you know, doing this, you know, you're causing trouble, rocking the boat. And, you know, you shouldn't do that. Well, I'm sorry. You know, being truthful means rocking the boat sometimes. Yeah, but I can tell you're having fun doing it. I'm sorry. <laughs> you, know, sometimes, you know, sometimes you just got to find a way to make things fun, all right? If I got to listen to people run their mouth about me, I'm going to at least have a good, find a way to make it fun. I'm going to have a good time with it, and I don't think that's a sin. I don't think it's a sin to make an unpleasant circumstance, you know, a situation fun. And that's what I do, and you know what? I... Love what I do. I love serving the Lord. I love preaching the gospel. I love going out soul winning. And you know, when you have that mentality, you actually will when when you when you with a good conscience, a good clear conscience, are doing what you know God wants you to do, what the Word of God says. When you have that full assurance, it's actually not that hard to leap for joy when you get persecuted, like Jesus said to do. But you know why a lot of people struggle with that? It's because they're not convinced they're doing the right thing. A lot of the reason these preachers are compromising when they start getting hammered by the world, when they start getting hammered by the brethren, is because they're not fully persuaded in their mind that they are preaching the truth. And therefore, so they can't 
enjoy that. They can't leap for joy. But you know what? I thank God He helped me get past all that stuff. And I'm able to do what I do, put up with the junk I put up with, and, and have fun with it. There are things that I have dealt with in this last year. There have face-offs that I have had that I used to just dread and think, what if this happened? You know, and, and I, I, I imagine, too, when I, back when I was in the Forbidden Archives studying going on, I used to think, what's going to happen if I ever go public with this? And I had all these worst-case scenario things in my mind. This is gonna, and and it, it, thought of it terrified me. And I'm not lying. All those things that I feared came to pass. And you know what? They were worse than I thought they would be. They were. Everything that I faced was worse than I thought it would be. The responses I got were worse than I thought it would be. I used to be terrified at the thought of people making videos about me, exposing me, and stuff like that. I, I used to be terrified at the thought of that. But every, I, I, and I never expected to get some of the stuff I got. I never expected that. It was way worse than I thought it would ever be. But here's the thing. While everything was way worse than I ever thought it would be, it didn't bother me near as much as I thought. It didn't. It, it didn't hurt near as much as I thought it would hurt. In fact, I often get a good laugh from it. I really do. Now, only God can do that. Okay? Yeah, the things I feared, you know, you were thinking I was going to say, it never happened. No, it happened. It was worse than I thought it was going to happen. Way worse. My wife and I used to talk about, man, this will probably happen, this will probably happen. It, we had no idea it was way worse. But it literally didn't hurt near as much as I thought it would. And in many cases... It, it tickled, if anything, because I got a good laugh out of it. And so, that, that's the case. You know, yes, work on that good name, but you know what? Make sure the focus is on what does God think about my name, not the rest of the world. If we get caught up in that as a church, that's when we're going to be tempted to go full trendy. That's when we're going to be tempted to go just full advertisement, community outreach, trying to hide what we really are. Okay? Let's just be open about what we really are. And... I think that I think that's a lot more fun. It's a lot more interesting, and I thank God uh, for the opportunity to do that. And so I hope that was a help and encouragement tonight. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for your word. Lord, I thank you for uh, just being willing to use us, dear God. And I pray you'll help us, Lord, that, that we will have a good name, Lord, not just with you, but with our community. I pray that we're, we're not going to be tr- that we won't go out trying to ask for trouble and uh, just trying to be persecuted, Lord, but we'll. Uh, do things trying to represent you in the best way possible. And I pray you'll just give everyone faith, Lord, that uh, when they do the right things, Lord, things might be worse than they thought. But, Lord, you're always there with us, and it doesn't hurt near as bad as we think it would hurt. And I just pray that you'll uh, just continue to bless our church. We're so thankful for all the things that you've done for us and your goodness to us. I pray you'll continue to bless. In your name we pray. Amen.